we're so inclined to do that. All right, let me go ahead and give you a head start. You can turn to one of your favorite books in the Bible, the book of Leviticus. Chapter 13, we'll be there in just a second. To get the flavor of this text, because if we were just to read it at face value in Luke, as we continue our study, we would miss it. You got to do some work in order to appreciate and revel in the fullness of the graces of the text. It'd be kind of like this. It'd be like going to a museum that you didn't know anything about. Like the Walter Anderson Museum, for example, in Ocean Springs. If you didn't know anything about Walter Anderson, you would walk in there and see paintings and see the boat hanging from the roof and see the, the, the forbidden room that nobody ever entered where he painted. You would just, you wouldn't get it, right? But if you do a little work and you go in, every detail, that's the boat he wrote in. This is the mural that he, I mean, everything comes alive with meaning, right? It's the same thing. We have to go to Leviticus and do a little bit of homework at the beginning. So by the time we come to Luke, we go, ah, that's why this is a big deal. Otherwise, you'll conclude Jesus healed a leper moving along. You can't do that. It is true that he did. But if we don't do the homework, it's not going to resonate in your soul. So, <clears throat> let's look at Leviticus chapter 13. The first three verses, I know you all have it memorized. You have it crocheted in your homes. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priest, and the priest shall examine the disease area on the skin of his body. And if the hair on the disease area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of a leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him Unclean. Every single detail there is about to be important. It's kind of like this. You got to think about it like this. Imagine that, that you were out in the yard yesterday digging something up. You probably weren't. Imagine that you were like me yesterday cleaning out the gutters before the rain came. And you, you got a blister on your hand or you got a nick on your palm. Next day, you don't really think anything about it. The next day, your, your spouse says, you know, you ought to go have that looked at just to be sure. Just in case. And so, um, because they, they didn't have minor, minor medicals back then, you got to go to the priest. The priest is the local health inspector. That's what's taking place in Leviticus 13. So if you've got this this blister that's not getting better or this scratch or this rash, you got to go to the priest and have it checked out. And and there's a big word that came up at the end of verse 3. The priest determines if it's leprosy. And if it's leprosy, you are now unclean. That doesn't mean anything to us, right? Okay. 
this is where you got to get a flavor. The majority of the rest of that chapter is, if it's this, it's leprosy. If it's that, it's not. Scenario by scenario. And then, and then at the end, if it's leprosy, here's the cure. Which is, there's not one. If you have leprosy, when the priest determines and declares that you are unclean, your life just ended. You had to wait outside of the city where the priest meets you in case you have it. You got to wait seven days for the priest to examine it again. I mean, the time period that we wait and we're so anxious and nervous about biopsies and blood work and all of those things. Worst case scenario in most instances, we're going, all right, if you're like me, I want to plan for the worst and work my way backwards and I'm always prepared. If it's worst case scenario, I'm going through my mind going, okay, there could be medicines, there could be, there could be chemo, there could be surgery. During that seven-day period, if it's leprosy, you will have been diagnosed with what is called a living death. And here's why, back in Leviticus chapter 13. Verses 4 and 5. Or I'm sorry, 45 and 46. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let his hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. Here it comes. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So let's say that's you and you've been examined and you've waited seven days outside the city and the priest comes back to meet you on the seventh day and you're just hoping that there's one word that he doesn't say and he says, I hate to tell you this, but you're unclean. And so for the rest of your days... Unless you're cured, and there is a ceremony in case you're cured, but we don't have any documentation of anybody being cured. <laughs> this is the way that you will now end the rest of your days. Your hair will grow out and remain unkept. If you're close to coming into contact with anyone, you have to cover your upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean, to warn them to stay away from you because you have the disease you don't want them to contact. To be unclean means that you can't participate in synagogue or temple services. So you're barred from all religious activity. Can't go to church, we'd say. It would be like being excommunicated. And you shall live alone. And your dwelling will be outside the camp. Not only can you not go to the religious life of your people... You're not supposed to enter a town or a city. You live outside of it alone. You're an outcast for the rest of your days. So imagine if you're married and if you have children and other family or friends 
From this day on, you are forbidden to be in contact with them as long as you have the disease, which in most all cases is the rest of your life. Can you imagine that? You can't see your spouse. You can't touch your spouse. You can't touch your kids. And so, and so historians tell us maybe you got a glimpse of them. They, they might have a designated spot like under the, the oak tree or something. They, they might come once a week and leave you supplies and, and you could see them from a distance and they would give you the wave off and then they would leave before you got. Could you imagine the horror of if you had this? Because if you can't, you're not going to get the text. All of your social contact has ended as you live in isolation outside of the city, unclean for the rest of your life as your body rots away. This awful disease where your nerve endings die off, you can't feel pain, you're injured all the time, you don't bathe, your appearance is uncapped, you warn people along the road to stay away from you. Brothers and sisters, you have to sense it and you have to feel it because spiritually you are one. And so am I apart from Jesus. That's where the gospel is to be found in this text. If you don't tie all that together, you miss everything. We have a spiritual leprous disease called sin that affects every aspect of our beings. And it not only alienates us from one another, it alienates us from God. The reason why they had to live outside of the city is because the presence of God is in the city and it's holy. And uncleanliness can't come in contact with his holiness. That is primary over other people being infected. And this would be our lifelong condition spiritually if it weren't for the Savior. So the million-dollar question of the morning before we head to the text is this. How are the unclean made clean? If there's no cure for leprosy and we have spiritual leprosy, how are those who are prohibited from coming near now welcomed and given full access? Y'all to feast on its graces together. Would you take your copies of God's Word and stand with me out of reverence for both God and His Word found in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. That's why we just did all this work in Leviticus. It's only four verses. And if you don't know all that going in, you're going to miss it. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. See anything odd there? What is he doing in the city? And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but to go show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for proof of them. 
But now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God stands forever. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, would you take, would you take the events of, of two texts that are thousands and thousands of years um, we would think at face value removed from our lives and by your grace, open our eyes to show them how relevant they are today in our lives. Uh, and may you provide us with grace to adore um, this gospel of grace that saves spiritually leper sinners like us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Notice with me in the text, the first thing that there's grace for lepers like us who were unclean, that are made clean, firstly, by admitting our need. Here's what knowing all that we covered in Leviticus ought to be of benefit to us for as, as, we, as we seek to enter into the story. Jesus... In one of the cities in verse 12, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. It's so scandalous now, right? He's not supposed to be in the city. Why is he in the city? He's breaking all the rules associated with leprosy. And here's what's even more amazing. He doesn't care. <laughs> Let me tell you what he's doing there. He's desperate. He is needy. He is hopeless. He's at the end of his rope. This is his last shot at being made well. And here's how we know how bad it was. Luke, the physician... While he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. A little doctor's insight there. Luke isn't saying, you know, it kind of just started. It's on the tip of one of his fingers. Maybe Luke is saying, this is stage four. Sound the alarms. This is bad. He's probably, to get to this stage, he's probably had this disease for years. This is the end of the road. His entire body, all of his extremities would have been eaten up with the disease, full of leprosy. It's everywhere. And so imagine the isolation. He hasn't seen or touched or been with family for years. His appearance would have been shocking, unkept, unbathed, and he, he makes his way through a crowd in the city, probably covering his upper lip and declaring the best that he could, because once you're full of leprosy, it now affects your throat and you lose your voice, so you're hoarse, and so he's probably making his way through, covering his upper lip, whispering as it were, unclean, unclean. And 
when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. I mean, his, his faith is legendary, right? He might not know the term sovereignty, but he believes it. This isn't a, a super question. He doesn't question Jesus' ability. He doesn't question Jesus' mercy and Jesus' grace and Jesus' compassion and Jesus' power. He's heard what all Jesus has done. That's why he's breaking all social conventional norms to do this. He's heard what Jesus can do. He doesn't question his ability. What he questions is his willingness. Would you be willing to heal one like me? This is something else that would be easy to mess right. He fell on his face. He didn't say, Lord, if you will, will you make this leprosy go away? Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. See, the effect of me having this leprosy is they've pronounced me unclean. And I can't go back home and I can't be around my family and I can't worship. And if I was just made clean, that would take care of the leprosy part. My biggest issue, Jesus, is that I've been declared unclean. <clears throat> Y'all, here's where you have to you have to identify with the leper, right? He doesn't have the ability to make him clean. The leper doesn't have the ability to make himself clean and neither do you and neither do I. Apart from Jesus, we are defiled outcasts before God, written throughout our whole beings, full of the leprous disease we call sin and the result is that we are unclean and unfit to come in before the holiness of God and there's nothing that we can do about it. How about we close in prayer and have the benediction now? I mean, if we did, there's no good news in the gospel, right? <clears throat> I think I'm right on this. I saw a Facebook post yesterday. If somebody can attest to it. I think yesterday was National Golden Retriever Day. It was? It is. See? We have a golden retriever. I gave in one year. That's great. I've got... There are times where you're, the family is against you and it's like, I'm not dying on this hill? Fine. Get a dog. We've got a white golden retriever. Um, due to the white golden retriever, it is incredibly difficult to grow grass in our backyard. Our backyard is tiny. And so, like yesterday, when it rains... And our large white golden retriever goes into the small backyard where it's difficult to grow grass. It becomes more like a marsh because it's the only place we have to let him go outside. 
And depending on his mood when he goes outside, you don't know what he's going to, is he going to go out and come back in? Is he going to go out and roll around? Is he going to run up and down the little run and play? There are times when you hear him barking and you go to let him back in and he looks more like a chocolate lab. Which is why nobody wants to let him out. Because the one who lets him out has to let him in. And so, like yesterday, when you have to let him in, there's a towel by the door that you have to get to clean him off before he comes in. Here's the problem. When he comes in covered with mud, he wants to start rubbing all over everything on the patio to try to help. It's not helping. It's just making everything. Now I've got a rug to clean up. I've got a swing to clean up. I've got a couch to clean up. There are times that I have yelled. I'm sure the neighbors, if they didn't know we have a dog, would question what's going on in our backyard. There are times I have yelled, just stop. Be still. You're making it worse. Speaking to him as if he can understand me. I have to clean you. You have no ability to clean yourself. And so when you try, you're just making it worse. Y'all, that's what we call a self-reliant works-based salvation. Which is everything else that exists other than the gospel. Well, if I can just do more good things than bad things when I die, I think the man upstairs might let me in. No. All the good stuff that you're trying to do is just rubbing mud everywhere. You're making it worse. You can't clean yourself. We're not talking about mud on the outside. We're talking about internal, spiritual, sin-based leprosy, right? How are you going to clean that up? Grace for the lepers begins with an admission. I'm unclean. I'm unclean and I can't clean myself. Secondly, in the text... The lepers who receive grace like us are unclean who admit their condition and are made clean only by going to Jesus. But what if I go to Muhammad? Or what if I go to Buddha? Or what if I go to whatever? That, they have nothing for you. Nothing. If you're visiting with us and you're a skeptic, we always tell you we, we love that you're here. This is a safe place to struggle and wrestle and have doubts. And quite, if you can't do that in the church, the church has failed you, right? Let me tell you one of the many things that differentiates the gospel from all other world religions. Tell me another world religion where their deity came down to save its people because their people had no ability to save themselves. I'll wait. There's not one. 
Everywhere else, you gotta climb the ladder and you gotta work and maybe one day you can make it to the top. The problem with that is you're just getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier and when you get to the top, you're gonna realize their God doesn't exist. The condition is so bad that he had to come down to us. I'm not questioning your ability, Jesus. If you will, you can make me clean. Now, what Jesus does next, and again, why we had to start in Leviticus 13, is nothing less than shocking. I mean, unthinkable. The disciples had to have gasped when they saw what he did next. Now, here's the big question. Could Jesus have just said, leprosy be gone and the man would have been healed? Survey says, yes. But that's not what he does. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. What? In the Greek, the word, he didn't just like, it's like a firm grip on the shoulder, kind of like, he wants him to feel it. He wants him to sense that he's, he's, he's with him. This man hasn't been touched in years. Jesus, you don't do that. Nobody does that. You can't touch the leper. See, here's a, a lesson that everybody is going to learn. When, when unclean things or defiled things come into contact with clean things, like the mud in my backyard with the dog, the clean things then become defiled, right? That's the norm. When the clean comes in contact with the unclean, the clean now becomes defiled. That's, that's normal, right? Until you're dealing with Jesus. When Jesus and the fullness of his cleanliness and holiness come into contact with defiled, unclean things, the result is they become clean and he remains undefiled. He stretched out his hand, he grabs him and says, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. A miracle's taking place. You better believe it. A man full of leprosy, rotting to death, stage four, all of a sudden, his nose is back, his ears are back, he's got all his fingers, he's got all his tongue. Immediately, he's made clean. So how does this apply to us with spiritual leprosy then? How can we be made clean when... When we go to Jesus, how's he going to touch us and speak to us and make us clean? It's by faith, of course. That's the way that, that we lay hold of Christ, by faith. Faith. 
One more thing back in Leviticus that we'll look at in chapter 14 briefly. Now, it's, it's, this is very interesting, right? After Jesus heals him, in verse 14, and he charged him to tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof of them. That kind of seems odd at first, right? Here's why it's not. Though everything in him wants to run home and bang on his front door and say, Honey, I'm home. You're never going to believe what happened. Kids. You can't do that. You see, you got to be readmitted back in. The priests have to declare that you are now clean and that you can go back home and that you can rejoin the society. You don't get to just run back home. There's a whole process now that we got to follow. And it's found in Leviticus chapter 14. We are not going to read it all. I'll tell you what it says. Uh, you can read it for homework today. You'll love it. But the beginning is this. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall look. So, hey, we've heard, um, we've heard Wally might be cleaned. Somebody get word to the priest. You got to go meet him outside of the camp. So now you got to take some stuff with you just in case. They go out. They have a look. If the case of the leprous disease is healed and the person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And then I'm going to tell you what happens. The rumor seems to be true. It seems like Wally's clean. So there's an event that's going to follow before you can go back home. And so the priest bringing with him Outside of the city, two birds in a bowl and some water and a scarlet piece of yarn and a piece of cedar wood and hyssop. Now pay attention. One bird will be killed over the bowl of water and the hyssop and the wood and the yarn are dipped in the contents of the bowl of blood and sprinkled on the leper seven times as he was pronounced clean. And then the live bird is released, its freedom symbolizing that the unclean leper has now been made clean and is free to rejoin the community. This is followed by a seven-day-long feast party celebrating the deliverance of the leper, which ends with sacrifices being made for all of those that the leper missed while being an outcast. Now again, there's a handful of these maybe in the Old Testament that, that could have qualified. But the big question is this. How does going to Jesus cleanse us and what does this ceremony have to do with us besides everything? Y'all, Leviticus 14 is a foreshadowing of the atonement. 
Leviticus 14 is a foreshadowing of ultimately how the unclean will one day be made clean. When outside the city, the Lamb of God would be murdered at the cross, His blood shed, and we by faith have our sins covered with His blood, washed, and we are the second bird that gets to go free. You couldn't miss it if you tried. And then we're welcome back, not into society, but into fellowship. In the very presence of God, where our sins are now forgiven, where we are justified, where we are treated as had we had never sinned. The sins forgiven that used to prohibit us from entering. Y'all, this celebration, this week-long party, on the, this is a picture of the last day. I mean, this party was, was basically celebrating a resurrection that one who is as good as dead is now alive. Y'all, that's us who were dead and our sins and trespasses are now alive in Christ Jesus. The same Jesus, by his wondrous grace, not only can heal you this morning, he is willing and he delights to do so. Now the third thing in the text is big and it's short, but it's, you have to see it. Defiled, unclean lepers are made clean by admitting their uncleanliness, by being made clean by going to Jesus in faith, and then lastly, by spending the remainder of their lives in dependence on the Father. Verse 15. But now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. So word spreads about this. The guy, the, the famous, you know, while he's been living outside the camp for all these years, as y'all hear, he broke all the conventional norms. He entered into the city. He fell before Jesus. Jesus touched him. He's clean now. He's at home. They had the party and everything. Word spreading. Pharisees can't do this. The scribes can't do There's something different. Now here it is. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Why would he do that? Do you remember on that occasion uh, in the Gospels where the woman that had the bleeding disorder for years touches the hem of his robe and was healed and Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? Because he felt power go out from him. Now think with me. If every time he heals, power goes out from him, but even now the report about him began to spread abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Every time he heals, power is going out from him. He goes to be with the Father to be restored, to be renewed, to be re-energized by praying and depending on the Father. Yes, right? But there's something else. Never thought about this because I'm a simpleton. There's something, Ralph Davis said this. This is phenomenal. 
when is Jesus on this occasion going alone to be with the Father, to be fed, to be re-energized? We would look at this and say, after one of his greatest successes, right? Let me tell you something about your spiritual life. I've learned this one over the last 50 years, coming up on 50 years, minus conversion years, whatever. You and I are at the greatest danger after our greatest spiritual successes. Let me say that again. We are at the greatest danger in terms of our sanctification and our spiritual lives after our greatest mountaintop spiritual successes. Don't miss that on this occasion, after the huge successes, that's why Jesus is going to pray to the Father. Listen to what Ralph Davis says. Jesus' example is all the more necessary when we realize, as Jesus did, that success can destroy. It is a troubling paradox that what may seem the best moments in our Christian experience may actually be the most dangerous. He goes to the Father to be restored, renewed. He also goes for grace to resist the temptation of pride and arrogance, right? Sin that come at us when we experience the highest of spiritual heights. Y'all, here's the point. Every single second of every breath of our Christian lives and experiences are to be lived in dependence of the Father by the graces of the Spirit, right? Here's a question and then we'll close. In your life this morning, where are you not doing that? Where is it on cruise control? Where do you think you got it? That's the place where you start. Told you before, Dave Busby. Should have wrote a, a dictionary on Dave Busby terms. He used to call it about himself an unbelieving believer. I believe you for the big things, but I'll take care of the little things on my own. I can handle those. I don't need to pray about those. Unbelieving believer. Where are you unbelieving and not relying on the Father? Because you think you got that one. That is where you are in danger. Every second, every breath, by grace, we have to live on dependence on the Father because we're weak. We are frail. We are easy prey. I'll close with this. One of my favorite hymns is Come Ye Sinners for a multitude of reasons. Come ye sinners, poor and wretched, weak and wounded, sick and sore. That's our church, right? Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, joined with power. But what about my spiritual leprosy? What about all the stuff that I've done? He is able, he is able, he is able, he is willing. Doubt no more. But you don't know, Pastor. You don't know the foulness of my uncleanliness. Hey, I'd go toe-to-toe with you any day and say when. There's a good chance I can match you sin for sin. 
And I'm not saying that to be prideful. I'm saying that to glorify the grace of a Savior whose grace is greater than all of our sin. Charles Spurgeon. The I will of an emperor may have great power over his dominion, but the I will of Christ drives death and hell before him, conquers disease, removes despair, floods the world with mercy. The Lord's I will can put away your leprosy of sin and make you perfectly whole. Beloved, when Christ comes into contact with impurity, he is not defiled. When Jesus comes into contact with leprosy, when Jesus comes into contact with your sin, Jesus isn't in danger. Leprosy and your sin is in danger of Jesus. This is how amazing grace truly is. This leper is an outcast by factors he couldn't help and didn't want, correct? You think he wanted this life? Do you think he chose this? No way. Y'all, we as spiritual lepers were outcasts in our sin. We were enemies. We hated God. We were determined to keep our distance. And we liked it. Didn't we? Here's the beauty of the gospel. And even yet, he came for us. And he still does. He is willing to make you clean this day. He is willing. Are you? Answer me this. If you are outside of faith in Christ this morning, why wouldn't you come to Christ by faith and be made clean? Why? I'll leave that between you and him, amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that when your son looks at us, like when he looked at this leper, that, that outward rotting stench, physical condition, that, that was a great picture of us inside. And we thank you that Jesus doesn't flinch. Because Jesus isn't defiled when he touches defilement. He, his, cleanly, his holiness, his spotless purity makes defiled things clean. And so, Father, we ask you boldly this morning that this would be the day of salvation for some in this room. Would you send the hound of heaven, the Holy Spirit after their heels and give them no peace or rest until they collapse before Jesus just like this leper did and beg him to make them clean? Because you will. And for the rest of us, would you amaze us again throughout the day and the week? This man was us. And you cleaned us and you wanted us and you washed us, and you brought us into the family. May, may our homework this week be to sing over and over and over and over and over in our souls. Hallelujah, what a Savior. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us. As we